0: Don't miss Old Navy's Saturday Steel. Tomorrow only. All jeans are 50% off. Plus, get $2 tanks for women, girls, and toddlers and $5 Earth Day tees for the family. Valid 421 jeans excludes in-store clearance. Tanks limit five select styles.
1: It's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only Supernatural Girls.
2: Welcome everyone to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I am here with my co-host all the way from Tucson, Patricia Kirkman. PK.
1: How are you tonight? Absolutely fabulous. I can't wait for the show today. This
2: is going to be oh. I think our
1: most exciting show of the year. Well, it will be. Good friends, old friends get together and harass each other to get information. (laughs) We're going to wring every bit of information out of him.
2: We are. We have Mm -hmm. the best of the best tonight. We have, in our opinion, the top psychic medium in the world. This evening is going to be earth-shattering for everybody listening. We have with us... George Lugo. He is a dear friend of ours. We have the utmost respect for him. He is tremendously talented and he has read for people all over the world. And tonight we're going to hear what he's been up to who he's been talking to, and the adventures he has had on the other side. And we are also going to ask him about what he picks up on regarding this soft disclosure that's been going on. Because we've been discussing this now for weeks, trying to get to the bottom of why now? Why are they throwing this stuff at us in this time and on these days? What for? So we're going to get to a lot of stuff tonight, missing people. Also, we're going to talk about that, and we will be happy to take your questions in the chat room. Now, George is not going to do any live readings, but you can reach him for live readings for your own personal and private reading at crystalgatereadings.com. And so, we got to start with the numbers, though, right, PK? What's going on?
1: Well, we know firstly that this is a month where a lot of people are very uptight, a lot of anger is going on and going around. And today people are trying to make everything perfect, and it's not happening. We're getting a little opportunity to see what's taking place around us, but nothing seems like it's fitting. We're taking a look at what's coming up because information is coming. We find that the retrograde will be over in another, well, within the next few days, which will be good because everything to do with communication has been crappy. I guess that's the nicest way I can put it. People have been having between breakdowns of communication of all forms, everything from computers to you name it, cars, everything. And we forget that cars have computer chips in them now. So we're having more people having problems with that. And I had somebody said, well, I just bought a new car. And I said, take it back. It's not going to. He said, well, let me see. And I said, I'll look up. And I said, you are not. Only if you're born into retrograde do things go well for you. Uh-uh, take right. the car back, so, so she's taking it back, because there's no way it's not going to give her problems, especially with the year, personal year she's in on top of it. In a nine-year, you don't go out and buy a brand-new car. Uh-oh. So two more days, and we'll pretty much have this behind us, right. which is a great thing. Well, think so. about the shadow period. There's going to be that little bit of dusting and cleaning in between, so that's right. not bad. Right. But it's the information that's coming. January is going to deal with a lot of creativity, but communications of all forms are going to be thrown at us. And it's going to start actually just about sometime after the 25th. It's going to start tiptoeing out, and then there's going to be stuff brought out to us that everybody's been saying it's coming, but we don't want to listen. Or the government says, oh, let's pretend it didn't happen. It's happening. It's happening. Well, it is because
2: they're letting things out very slowly, but they are bringing some bigger stories out in mainstream media in the New York Times. They're letting one of their colonels talk about their their sighting of a UFO right. while he was flying. I mean, there are more and more stories coming out, but only because they're allowing it. The question is why? Why now, after all this time, of beating up on abductees and trying to make them look stupid and all these people that have spotted these things in the skies. Why now? So we're going to talk to George about that. We're going to get Mm -hmm. all of his insight. But I just want to also uh, talk a little bit about some of the things that we have on our website. So if you guys are looking for books... We have the Opus Mago Cavalisticum, which is an English translation—the only English English translation—of a very old theosophical book, and that's been. Uh, this is a book that Lon Duquette found in this library that he said was like the Harry Potter. Hogwarts Library (laughs) in a place hidden away from the world nobody even knows how to get to this place except they blindfolded Lon and took him there and this book was there we have it for sale on our website you can buy it at Amazon actually and it is again called the Opus Mago Cabalisticum now I hate to bring this subject up but property taxes right around the corner they're setting their values their rates I know, see it's a terrible thing But it's a system we're stuck with, but there's a great book we have also on our website called Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. So great Christmas present for anybody who owns property. You really need to check your property record card. Do you even know how to read it or how to find it? This book would tell you how. So we have lots of other things Mm -hmm. on the website, including a new sponsor. Yes this is what keeps us on the air. We have Astridian. They are a wonderful cosmetic company. They provide skin treatment that is out literally supernatural. It's out of this world. It does things no other skin cream can do and it's on sale right now. So you can find that on our homepage. You can go and visit their homepage and see if you want to try some of their products they are highly recommended they're excellent i can't even tell you all the great things they do because the fda would come in and give me a hard time so i'm just going to tell you it's the best product line i've ever found and believe me i tried a lot of them so (laughs) the name of it is astridian a-s-t-r-i-d-i-a-n it's on our homepage okay well, we're going to get started here with our tremendous mm-hmm. guest, and we're so excited to have him here because, like we said, this guy, he is the best of the best. We love he all of the psychic mediums we've had on our show, and we have the deepest respect for them, but George stands alone. I mean, he is just, there's nobody else like him. So we're lucky enough to have him with us tonight. George Lugo, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Wow, what an introduction.
2: Boy, now you have Not to live up My to mom it. talks about me
0: like that. <laughs> so thank you.
2: Oh. You're How welcome. You? It's much deserved. Much Man, deserved, George. Thank you. So tell us a little bit. Let's get started. With we know you've had a lifelong experience with this. You were basically born into this right. world of the psychic medium, and you've also had your own UFO experiences. Yes. So tell us in what order this started in your life.
0: Well the mediumship started right before I was born. that's when it started. Mm-hmm. and I remember those I remember that time before I was born, just before I was born is when I had my first experience. And then after that, you know, just I remember being born. I remember all of that. I remember growing up with it. Uh, there was no vocabulary for it, so it was kind of frightening in the beginning. I didn't know what to call it. I all these visitations and um, you know from souls and spirits, I could see them all over the place, just everywhere. And uh, I was terrified in the beginning. Then I finally learned that I was there to help them and the people that they were attached to. So I started doing it. And I was a professional musician, traveled the world seven times. um, um, And in those travels, I met lots of people that are of of like mind, like heart. Even though there was a language barrier, somehow we were able to speak to each other. These are real people I'm talking about. Um, Holy men from like India and monks from Japan and Aborigines from Australia, Native Americans from here, um, just for some reason have always been attracted, or they're attracted to me and they come to me because I can't speak their language, but yet we have this telepathic way of speaking with each other and knowing Mm -hmm. all these things, and they've been a big help to help me understand what it is I'm going through. And then UFOs.
2: Yeah, now when did the UFO experiences start, as far as you can recall?
0: When I was very young. I, man, I must have been kindergarten, and that's when I remember a couple of things. I, I'm i not sure about a uh, Well, I think I was abducted once for sure. But visited by them, yeah, for sure. I know I was. And back then there wasn't any vocabulary, or, you know, little green men and all that stuff. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, I've had brushes with them, definitely. Um,
2: and some, at one time you were taken with other children, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. There was a time um, I was in junior high school and this friend of mine said, hey, let's go fishing. I know a great place to go. So I went with him and um, I used to live out in the San Joaquin Valley in California and, you know, gigantic agricultural area. So these fields are huge like oceans. Anyway, we're driving out there and there was this clump of trees in the distance. So we drove there. It was almost sundown. And we pull up, and there's about three or four other cars, kind of tucked by the trees, and this river that ran underneath those trees, and that was a good fishing hole. So we're sitting in this car, and we're facing west, and the sun's just over the horizon, so the so there's still light in the sky, but the sun's down. And we see this orange ball coming out of the south, and it's heading north. And we both saw it. And we said, "Look at that! What is that?" And and um. I said, I don't know. So he thought when he got in front of the car, I mean, it was, you know, maybe 100 miles away or so, he flashed his lights out from his car, and and this round orange thing just stopped. And then it started getting larger and larger and larger, and all of a sudden I noticed that the trees around where the cars were parked were shimmering in this kind of orange shine and the guys that were underneath the trees were going, what is that, what is that? And the next thing I remember is that we were all about 30 miles away, walking single file in the foothills on a moonless night. And I remember kind of like coming to because I could hear the crunching of the gravel of the guy in front of me and the guy behind me and we were just all in single file and just walking in the middle of nowhere. And uh, this pickup truck pulls up, and he says, what are you guys doing out here? And he had a gun with him. And uh, the, the the guy that was leading, uh, probably about seven of us, the first guy in line, he stopped, he says, we're going home. That's all I remember him saying. And he says, well, get in wow. the back of the truck. So we all got in the back of the truck, and he took us down to our hometown, which was, whew, I don't know, a long ways away. And after that, we never spoke to each other again, these boys and us. We the, Even the guy that I went with, he ended up dying like a year later. And, oh, no. And some of the other guys died too. But none of us talked about it. We did need to acknowledge each other like we weren't even friends anymore. We just totally avoided each other. I thought that was really strange. Mm-hmm. And then yes. I noticed that I had something in the back of my neck, behind my right ear, in the lobe where the bone is. I felt a little something there. So I I didn't know what it was at first, and I, later I learned that it's probably an implant of some sort, because there was a buzzing feeling to it, a tiny little vibration feeling to it, or a frequency to it. And and it would, it would sort of, it never hurt, but I guess I just noticed that it was there, and I would touch it, and um, my finger would go on it, and I would kind of feel the shape of it, and it was sort of rectangular and pretty thin. So I had that for years and years, and then it went away. Um, And then just recently, probably four months ago or so, I felt it again, but this time it's in a different location on my body. It's on my back, and there's four lines and two little dots next to it. It looks like um, almost like a barcode. It's really strange, and it's it's actually a little bit larger than, the, than my first implant, but I know it is. I just know it is, and I've been digging at it and digging at it, and, uh, <laughs> oh, no. and uh, yeah, you know, I, I can
1: feel oh. it.
0: And Take I've a had picture it che- of it, George. Yeah, I've had it checked out, and um, they're just going, I don't know what that is, and nobody seems to know what it is, and but no one's going to cut it out. You know, they don't want to touch it. I said, well, it's not really bothering you. Let's just leave it there and see what happens. I'm thinking, well, could it have been a spider bite or something? He said, no, it's not a spider bite. It's something something underneath your skin. I'm going, huh. So I don't know. We'll see what happens.
2: Yeah. Well, here's a question from the chat room. This is from Bailey Shaw who wants to know, can you tell us what year and location this happened?
0: Uh, the um, um, yeah, the the year had to have been seventy. Around seventy-two, around there is when I um, when I had that implant from that first time when I went fishing with those guys. It was around that time, around seventy-two-ish, I think. Around seventy-two. And, yeah. and
2: this happened in California Where in California? Oh, in
0: California, Northern California. Oh, right. Yeah, up um, I would say San Joaquin Valley, up uh, near um, uh, Stockton, Modesto, that area.
2: It's up there. Incredible. Yeah. So, so you know, as I mentioned to you a long time ago, Dr. Andre Puharic has always said behind every great psychic is an extraterrestrial. So wow. <laughs> you certainly fit that. But now what we're facing, and we're going to get into some of your experiences with the afterlife, but we are we are now experiencing soft disclosure. There's right. been story after story in mainstream media, talking about different aspects of UFOs and government programs with Robert Bigelow and things like that. But everybody's asking the same question. Why now? We all know it's real, okay? So our right. audience members certainly know. We all know that UFOs, ETs, interdimensionals, they're all real. But Absolutely. suddenly the government's kind of doling out these little stories for us, But what do you feel the reason is behind all of that? Why now?
0: I just feel that the Earth is kind of maxed out in a lot of areas, and we would need uh, that type of intelligence to, like, correct a lot of our wrongs on this Earth. I mean, with chemtrails going on, they've been going on since, what, 80s, 86, they started. (laughs) Um, and globally, and what that's caused, and um, just all the different things, all the experimenting we've done underground, all the things that we've done to this earth, has kind of um, thrown it off balance. And they probably have the technology to straighten all that out. Um, but all this news that's coming out now about UFOs and sightings—I mean, that's old news. You know, it's that's been around since time. You know, so um, it's just that. People want to believe in their government and they want to trust them and all that. So now it's gotten to the point where I also think that it's the media. You know, Everyone's got a cell phone and a camera and a video camera and all that, and people are taking pictures, and and there's just no denying it. I mean, there are a lot of fakes out there, don't get me wrong, but but there are some legitimate things that are being seen and done now, uh, and the government, I don't think you have a choice. I think they have to come out, you know, and then now they're doing it. So give it another six months and see what happens. There's going to be a lot going on, and it's going to throw a lot of belief systems on their ear, you know. So we'll see how that goes, you know, uh, as far as religion goes, how we do business, everything. It's going to affect everything. But I do feel that uh, there's good out of this, and we will. Oh yeah, yeah, it, it, you know.
2: If they could come clean. I mean the the concern is and this is some of the stuff we've seen all over the internet about it, is that the government usually likes to take things and turn it into something nefarious, something yeah. they can use against us rather than for our benefit. So are they some people are saying are they trying to set up a false flag? Are they trying to set up this Fear of aliens, that they're real and they're going to come and attack us or, you know, well, eat us that or was, some yeah. darn thing.
0: If that was the case, they could have done that a long time ago. I mean, if they exactly. had that kind of technology, they could have just wiped us all out. You know, just <laughs> it had been so fast. But I feel that they want to work alongside of us. We just have to wrap our head around it because it's going to be very different. Um, you know, we're going to have to listen to a lot of new, um, not just new thinking but new doing, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be changing for us as a globe, uh, as a world, and, and you'll see it. And for the most part, I believe it's going to be good. I really feel it's going to be good. So um, uh, some new changes. Some yeah I think it will things. be
2: too. Yeah I mean as long as it it comes out and it's it's truly out in the open but that's been the big concern is the way mm-hmm. our government does things it's not always out in the open. Right. And there's always there's always some other agenda. So yeah, that's, that's called the hidden yeah, that's yeah, called the hidden. It's the,
0: it's the guy behind the curtain, you know. So right. they, want, they want to keep that from being raised. And, it, you know, and there's, it, it's just gotten to the point now where everything's becoming pretty much transparent. And I have to say, I really, since I was in, you know, in media at one point, media does create a lot of this type of static and a lot of, you know, wash and all that and a lot mm-hmm. of spin on everything. But it's gotten to the point now where people are more savvy. They know what's going on. Um, even some of the disbelievers are being... Kind of thinking. Well, you know, all of this it just can't be false. Not all of it. And we have trillions and billions and trillions and trillions of planets and stars. How can we be the only one? You know,
1: exactly living exactly. like this.
0: And if you know, they say we use ten percent of our brain. If that's the case, I mean, is this all we've created? That's it. This is it. <laughs> you yeah. know. So I know that we use more than that, but. Uh, yeah, no. I believe that they're going to heal the planet. I feel that that they would come and they would heal the planet. They have to coexist with us, and so I feel that they would do some healing of the planet, and they have the technology to do it. Not, you know, different from what we know, different from what we conceive. And I know the government already knows all that.
1: And oh so, yeah, you know, they
0: definitely they know. do. Yeah. So well, it's no. to our benefit as a people. Is just that belief systems are gonna be changed somewhat. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of that kind of stuff and not to worry. You know, everybody don't worry so much. It's gonna be okay. You'll see. You'll see.
2: Yeah, I think most of the people were looking forward to hearing the truth. They known the truth all along. They just wanna hear it out of the mouths of the people that have been denying it. Uh, for right. their own reasons and their own greed or whatever it is. So it's, it would be a nice thing if it came to pass that way. And, again, people are anxious to see, see this happen. But, again, we are also asking some very good questions around why. Why all of a sudden are they going to divulge us? Now, one of the other theories that I've seen, and I tend to agree with, is that the extraterrestrials have given the governments of the world a deadline and saying to them, you need to disclose by a certain time. And if you don't, we will. So what do you think about that?
0: Well, I believe, I think that the government has done that with aliens, and, and they kind of have that deadline thing, and we just didn't really pay attention to it you know we're trying to do it ourselves you know and uh we just can't we don't we're we're just we're antiquated we're just the way we do things is just old you know and these aliens can just come in and go listen with with a snap of my finger i can almost you know do almost anything and Mm -hmm. they're going to change a lot of our thinking and it'll be i believe that we'll coexist we are now
1: yes we are you're right you're right that's the whole thing
0: and uh, mm-hmm. um, but it'll be in a peaceful manner. They don't want to destroy this planet. They want to make it healthy again because you know they have to survive here too. And mm-hmm. I really feel the first thing on their agenda is is balancing the planet, getting it back together again. And it and it's gonna you know ruffle some feathers and all that, but that's okay. It, it it'll pass. It'll be fine after that. Just gotta hang on for a little bit. You know mm-hmm. it might seem a little scary, but the more you know them, the more you're informed and educated about it, uh, the better it'll be for you. There's actually good times ahead, and we're at the point now, right at that crux, where it has to change. Yes. Because us trying to find, you know, we're already making plans of living on different planets, like building a station on the moon and Mars and all that, Mm -hmm. but we're a long ways from that, and so we need help right now, so they have the technology to do it.
2: Yes, I, well, that's very good news, and we appreciate your insights on yeah. all of this because we know you're closer to it, also, given your own experiences. Yeah, so. you know,
0: and because of that, you know, because I felt that I've always had that connection with them, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. my life has been really unusual in the sense, like when I was a kid, when a lot of kids would get together and play, I'd be laying on the lawn, looking at the stars, just thinking. There's a bigger picture than what, you know, like it's almost like re, like receiving something from up there, you know, when I was mm-hmm. a little kid. It's like a knowing and being fed something all the time. And uh, I used to make these predictions. I think I told you when I was in the third grade, we used to uh, have to write. Every Monday we had to write a little paragraph on what we did that weekend. A lot of kids, we, you know, I went swimming, I played with my brother, I went to talk grandma, and I'm here I am writing something about how we're going to be looking at TVs with typewriters in front of them. This is back like in 62. You know, so, um, yeah. and then I, I also drew pictures of 9-11 back then. I oh. also uh, drew pictures of the fake gas crunch in the middle 70s and, and wrote about it. And uh, My teacher would read it. She'd go to my desk first and go. She'd read that and she goes, where are you getting this? All right, go to the office and take this with you. So I had to visit the office every Monday. And uh, that particular <laughs> year, that year... Our principal happened to be an Indian chief, a Native American chief, and he was the principal. And he would call me in his office and he would read it. And he goes, Where are you getting this information? And I said, I don't know. I just sit down and it starts coming out. And he said, If you're in my tribe, you'd be a road man. And I didn't know wow. what that was and I didn't ask him. So I didn't find that out until much, much later after living in Arizona and meeting lots of Native Americans. <laughs> and they told me what a road man is uh, like a, a wise, holy man that goes from tribe to tribe. He's always on the road, and he goes from tribe to tribe, and he talks just to the, the elders, the council, not the people below him. them. And he talks to them, and he gives them information, and he helps them out, and he helps them with, you know, healings and uh, foresight, um, like vision quest, that kind of thing, and then he moves on to the next tribe. So he's always on the road, and he's called a road man. And that's what he said, that's what I would have been if I was in his tribe.
1: Wow. <laughs> so, oh, so,
2: um, that's uh, cute. And that's also fascinating.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that particular man, that, that uh, principal, his family would do uh, these Native American dances and uh, for the school. And we'd go out on the blacktop where all the hoops were and sit on the ground as a class. And you would always pick me out and have me sit on the blacktop, and one of his relatives would dance around me doing the eagle dance, would oh, dance yeah. around me and all this, and they're chanting and beating drums. and made me feel really special. You know? What and, an uh, honor.
2: You yeah, <laughs> I felt really
0: honored. So yeah. in every kind of situation like that, like I lived with the monks in Japan for a little while and the aborigines for a little while, uh, just getting pulled you know, from different places. Um, I'm, I live out in Florida now, and I was – Going down, 98, it's a major artery down here, and I was, and I was with um, a friend, and she said, hey, you want to have some Thai food? And I said, sure. I know a place, and I had just arrived here. So I didn't know anything. So we go to this restaurant. There's about seven people standing outside waiting to get in, and so we just followed them in. And there was a room to the left full of these monks, and and so we were the last ones in. And as we were passing by, the monks all bowed to me, which I thought oh was really my. weird. Yeah, they just stood up and they bowed. And I bowed back to them and I went and sat down. I just thought they were just doing that as a whole for all of us. And then the waitress comes over and she, and she says, these monks want you to eat with them, come and sit with them. So I did. I went and I sat with these guys. None of them can speak English. <laughs> and uh, yeah. the, the, the lead priest there put his robe over my arm. And the owner comes running up going, no touchy, no touchy. I said, I'm not touching them," you know. And and he spoke to her and said that, uh, you know, he's one of us. And so, I don't know. It's just things like that.
2: So guess so, what? You are a road man. Yeah, I guess so. Whether
0: <laughs> I like it or not. I
1: was so, going to say, ready or right. not, yes, you were.
0: Yeah. Yes,
2: so, you were and you are. Isn't that fascinating?
0: It is. It is to me. I mean, it's, it's something that I just... It just comes this way you know and I just have to go through the experience of it every time so it's that's probably wonderful. why I was a musician yeah <laughs> you know able to travel and all that so
2: that's right it yeah. went hand in hand well mm-hmm. this is just a you have such an exciting life and you've helped so many people right. with your private readings I and mean, it's just an amazing amount of people that you've met over the years and you've got mm-hmm. some great stories to tell us I know so I'm thinking let's see where should we start with all the stories that you have to tell oh, yeah. and one of the things that I know people have said about you and I've said this myself I know PK you have to. you are very specific you don't talk in generalities you True. boil it down and you go this is what's happening and you're right so one of the one of the places I want to start with you after the break is with the story where a woman came for a reading and you knew that her husband was having an affair. So we're going to hear all of the details, yes, yeah, about yeah. what you told her and what then happened. I mean, obviously we're not going to talk about anybody's names. No, but of course not. We're going <laughs> to so. yeah. 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 give our audience all the particulars that we can. So they can get a feel for how great you are at what you do. And so that's, that's what we're going to start with when we come back. So anybody who has a question for George, please ask it in the chat room. That's irnchat.com, irnchat.com. Make sure you visit our Facebook page at Supernatural Girls with a Z. Give us a like, follow us so you can see all the wonderful things we've got on that page. All things weird and wonderful you will find there. So stay tuned, everybody. We are going to take a very short break. You are listening to Supernatural Girls Radio, and we will be right back. Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I am your host, Patricia Baker. I am here with my co-host, PK, and our amazing guest tonight, who we dearly love, George Lugo a very famous psychic medium, and we did promise you we were going to start with a blockbuster story Mm -hmm. about a woman that came to see you, George, and what happened.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, she came to see me, and the typical, you know, reading, wasn't expecting anything, you know, different. She sat down in front of me. I took her hands for a moment, tapped in, and as soon as I took her hands, out of, off the left side of myself, I saw this woman hit me in the arm with a rolling pin, a white rolling pin, and she just looked really stern and she gave me um, a location, and that the woman that I was reading for needed to go there because there was something she needed to see herself and so and she was angry, and <laughs> I could literally feel that rolling pin on my arm on my on my you know my bicep. And I told her about it, and she just goes, oh, uh uh-huh, okay, you know. She goes, I know where that is. I said, you need to knock on the door, and I told her the number of it. And she says, okay, I'll do that. So after that, this one, someone kind of backed off. She was always in the background, like, like tapping her foot, like waiting for her to leave. So I gave her the rest of the reading. She left, went to this place that, that was her mother, by the way. That was her mother that came in with that rolling pin. And, um, and,
1: uh, are like that. <laughs> yeah.
0: She went to this location and knocked on the door, and she thought to put her finger on the um, people. So she put her finger on the people. That way they would answer it. Well, this lady answered the door and sitting behind this lady on the couch, butt naked, was her husband. And, um, <laughs> oh, and uh, he jumped up and ran to the back of the apartment and was yelling and screaming and all this. And um, and then he finally came out, and he's yelling at his wife, and what are you doing here? And you know, he's been having this affair for six years. And, oh, um, God. and so, uh, so it finally came to an end, and uh, the... Um, um, so she just told me, and you know, she told me all about it, and he wanted to know how she found this out, and she didn't really say anything, and he just grabbed the phone out of her hand. Oh, what she had done was recorded it, and I told her not to record because too many things will happen during recordings. Sometimes you hear the souls that are coming through on the recording uh-huh. um, when you do it with me. Um, other times, it's just information that somebody else might hear and be offended. Well, that seems to be the case here, so... He found the recording played it back and then called my office and threatened to kill me that I had ruined his marriage and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, it was all my fault. You know, <laughs> oh, of and, uh, course. What yeah, so an
2: that guy was. Yeah, your fault. mother-in-law
0: was the one that <laughs> blew the whistle on you. So, anyway, that was yeah that was one of them. That was one of many, many reasons. Well, and
2: and that's so amazing because, again, you were able to provide an exact location. The number on the apartment door where mm. it was and right. telling us when you need to go there i mean i know very few psychic meetings who could give that kind of specific information True. right okay yeah, yeah. Amazing. usually yeah so. usually when i
0: do like a big massive big group reading of like 80 people 30 people 100 300 people whatever I don't just like, okay, I see a blue pickup. Who has a blue pickup? You know, half the room raises their hands, right? Yeah, process of elimination. I go right to right. you. I just go first mm-hmm. person. I start, I do very short little clip readings, just mm-hmm. bam, 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 all the way down the line until I'm done. Uh, so, I don't waste people's time, you know, with, with all that stuff. And, uh,
1: exactly. Yeah. And it makes a big, a big yeah, difference.
0: Yeah. It, it can be boring for everyone else. Like, when's it going to get to me? When's it going to notice me? But, so,
1: George, it isn't boring to other people because they're what you're doing is you're validating your value to give them the correct information. Yeah, so I know, they that, know that when you do get to them, it is correct.
0: Yeah, but when you got 80 very people. Specific. Yeah. we are well, willing, you're you're a, you're willing waiting.
1: to wait to get the right answers.
0: Yeah. There was one time where this man um, was in the very back of the room, the very last chair in the corner, and he looked like a typical office geek and had a short sleeve yellow shirt on with a pocket protector, the I black frame so glasses. Yeah, and he had his hair parted to the <laughs> side, and, and he was real skinny, and he was just kind of sitting there. And I just kept getting drawn to him, and I was on the first row of about maybe 40 people, and, uh, I saw seven horses standing around this guy and I could see from the chest up and the heads are beautiful horses. And uh, I finally just went to him and I said, sir, um, I I have to tell you this because I can't, I have to tell you this. There are seven horses standing around you and he just started crying. You would have thought that he had lost his mother or something. I mean, he just went crazy and just cried and cried and cried. Story was, his brother used to race horses at um, uh, Kentucky Derby and places like that, and then after a certain while, he can't race them anymore. So he would send them out to Arizona to live on his brother's ranch, and he knew nothing about horses, so he just collected them. So he had all of these horses. He had seven horses he became friends with, and in the morning he would go out on the back of his um Lot there, and way in the distance was a tree line, and there was a river that ran through there. And the horses would stay there to stay cool and drink water and all this. And one morning he went out there, and he's whistling, and, and they usually come flying out of the trees to come eat. And uh, they didn't. So he mm. whistled again. Then he honked his truck horn. So then nothing. So he drove down there, and all seven horses were poisoned. Somebody poisoned them all.
1: Oh
2: you know, no!
0: And so and so these horses were, all, yeah. So these horses all showed up just to let them know that they were okay.
2: Oh, so, mm, my yeah, Lord. Yeah,
0: things like that. So,
2: oh, um, so, so heartbreaking. Oh yeah,
0: my it's, God. yeah, so he was really, really happy to know that they were okay. So mm. that's how I read. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not fishing. I don't look for obvious things. And I just come right out and just it just comes out. I can't help yeah.
1: it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <You know>, so, <laughs> that when people come to you and they're looking for assistance, Do you give them that uh, feel? I know because you and I have been friends for so many years that you give them that feeling of security that they walk away feeling it's okay like we were talking about someone that was lost or someone that was passing away or people that were aware of it how you're able to direct them when a person is lost how to Mm -hmm. find that individual they're looking for whether it's alive or dead there was Mm -hmm. an instance like that wasn't there not too far back, right? Someone... So when someone
0: comes to me, I usually tell them: um, expect nothing, ask for nothing. Mm-hmm. That way, you're wide open. You know, because some come, they want to. I want to talk to my dad, just my dad. I don't give a crap about Uncle Frankie yeah. and Aunt Louise. You know. And I said, but they're important to you, and they're and they got things they want to say to you. Mm-hmm. You know. So I'll start talking and describing them in their mannerisms and things they've said or experiences they've had with them. And what I'll do in my own mind, I'm always asking them questions, not saying it to the person that I'm reading for, is that I'll just say, go find this soul that this man wants to talk to or this woman wants to talk to. Please help me out here. And they do, and they'll go out there, and I'd say about 80% of the time they do bring them. Unless, you know, they just don't come for some reason. But there's always souls around you. Everyone has them. Everyone has right. them. There's, there's no doubt about it. So, yeah. The only now, difference is that. No more body. Just a soul.
1: Yeah. Right. So, you know, now, many times when we feel they, a feeling that someone's around us, and you, you can feel their presence, and you turn, and they're not there. And one time you said to me, don't move your whole body. Just shift your eyes, and you'll be able to catch more of a yeah, glimpse. Yeah,
0: you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. There is a way that you can that I've learned myself, I, mm-hmm. I learned this at a very early age, how to connect with souls yourself. And um, the the way to do it that I found the most effective is first thing in the morning when you wake up mm-hmm. and you get up because you gotta go to the bathroom. So go do that and yes. get back in bed. And then the person that you want to visit with, you put them in your mind's eye, you see them clear in your head, and start falling asleep, start going to sleep and You see them in your mind's eye. Start pouring your love towards them. And it can't be like, you know, happy love in the beginning, then it kind of falls off because they're not showing up right away. Don't let it fall down because if you do that, they'll notice that and they'll back right off. you got to keep your love happy and kind of going up. And so just stay in that frame of mind. Keep pouring your love towards them. See them in your mind's eye. Ask only one question. The question is, do you have a message for me? And so... When the souls only give you what you can handle, so the age that they died, they usually, if you see them at that age, they'll look perfect. Not a blem on them, they're totally healthy, just glowing, or they're younger. They you have the tendency mm-hmm. to get younger. Um, and when you see them, if they put their arms out, like give me a hug, go ahead and do it. Put your arms around them, hug them, and for a, a moment, you will feel no pain all your bodily pain will be gone. There is no future. There is no past. You're going to feel what it feels like for them, where they are. And it's going to be absolutely, it's beyond words, but it's amazing. And then you'll be asking lots of questions and eventually they're going to say, I've got to go now. You have to let me go. And you need to let them go. because if you don't let them go, they'll dissolve in your arms. So Mm -hmm. just let them go. And then you'll feel yourself being pulled back and sort of in an up feeling like you're drifting up. And, uh that's when um, you're starting to come back into this world. And you can ask a few more questions because you're still kind of connected to them. And they're going to do whatever they're going to do. They'll fade out or they'll walk away or they'll smile or they'll say, I'll see you again or whatever. And then all of a sudden, you're going to come back into the physical world, this world. And all your physical pain will come back. It'll just, boom, hit you. And you'll just go, oh, you know, I'm back. But you'll have the residue of what it felt like where you just were with them. And it'll make you cry. And, yeah, it's great. Mm, it's, a that's wonderful, wonderful it's a wonderful, wonderful yeah. feeling. It's a wonderful feeling. And you can repeat yeah. this process, you know, so.
2: Yeah, it sounds like a practice you could just start to do every night if you'd yeah. like. Now,
0: I already tell that to anyone, but I'm telling you guys, if you're your listeners and all that, it's a good way yes. to do it.
2: That is a great way to do it. Now, we had an interesting experience, George, because I was contacted by a woman whose son went missing. And I said to her, there's only one person that I'm going to refer you to, and that's George Lugo. So she called you. And do you want to take it from there?
0: Uh, Yeah, she called me, and she didn't give me much information. But um, I just said, I see this kid, he's you know, a teenager, maybe 17, 18. Yeah, he happened to be 17. I said, I see him probably two and a half, three miles away from home. And she said, yeah, he just got up. He, he, um, erased, he cleared his, um, hard drive on his computer, took everything off it, cleaned everything up so he couldn't be found on any, any, nothing left of him. And he left that morning and she just felt bad about it. She felt something was wrong and, and he left. And, uh, he ended up taking a shotgun with him, a sawed-off shotgun. That was. Which that you was a, saw
2: because she I didn't see that. of that. You saw yeah. that. Yeah. I
0: saw all that, and I said, "And he's not coming back." You know, I said, "He's not going to come back." I said, "You need to look for a service road that has the number 91 or I can't remember 91 or 61 on it. It's a. It's way back in the woods, and it's a little service bridge. And there's a. He's covered in leaves. That he's going to be covered in leaves when you find him, and um, and she's like crying, going, "No, no, he's got to come back." And I'll, I said, "I'm sorry. That's what I'm getting. I hope, I hope to God he walks through that door in time now, and it'll be all over." But I don't feel that's going to happen, and uh, and he'll he will be found, and he'll be covered in leaves. And uh, sure enough, man, seven months later, I just got a call, you know, just a few days ago, and it was the mom. And she was crying, and she says, they found my son exactly where you said he was going to be. And uh, mm-hmm. and uh, he was near some rocks. The only thing that was missing was the gun, so they don't know what happened to the, the shotgun. But, uh, yeah, if, and he just skeletal remains. But mm-hmm. I saw it all, you know, and I just didn't. So sad. Yeah, it's just really, really sad. So those are the kind of things that I don't, you know, like. But I do work with different agencies in that once in a while. Yeah,
2: I know you weren't very happy with me that I sent you that case.
0: (laughs) Yeah,
1: I mean, what what did it do
2: to me? But and I understand that because it was so emotional for you, it was emotional for me. But you saw the whole thing. You saw that he shot himself.
0: Yeah, he shot himself. Yeah, he shot and himself.
2: Did you also pick up on why? Did you get any information? He was just depressed.
0: He was just squeezed. He had no friends. I felt like he had no friends at all. I uh, was kind mm-hmm. of uh, you know, he was a really good looking kid, you know, and just um seventeen years old and a good looking guy and extremely brilliant, smart man, smart kid mm-hmm. and had a bright future, but he was just being just there are other details I can't disclose, but he just uh, it was, he just couldn't uh, cope with it anymore. And, wow. he, and he didn't have a drug problem. He didn't have a drinking problem, a drug problem, nothing like that at all. He just had some issues. He had a hole in his heart. He had an emotional hole in his heart that he couldn't fill. And so mm. he, so this Sad. is the way he exited. Yeah, it's terrible. But do he's you, okay. He's in the line. Do light.
1: you feel there's more suicide attempts now than we've ever had before?
0: Yeah, you know, yeah. That'll pass, too. The numbers will start yeah. balancing out again. They'll start going the other direction. There'll be less of that. But, yeah, there's just a lot of um, lot of little boats out there without rudders, you right. know, and they're yeah. having a tough time.
1: Well, what maybe even ask that, George, is because, as you know, we've talked about the fact we're going into a two-universal year, but it's an eleven-two, so it deals with a lot of high spirituality, but it deals with a tremendous amount of sensitivity, hmm. and a lot of people don't know how to cope with that. What would be a suggestion for you doing what you do for them to get a coping tool?
0: A coping tool would be like, you know, really, if you're a drinker, stop. If you do a lot of drugs, stop. Stop. You uh, start working out. It's really try to get back into your healthy, healthy zone. That'll help you a lot. I'll take care of a lot of depression. I'll mm-hmm. take care of a lot of that kind of stuff. But I really feel like try to get yourself healthy again. And then whatever your belief system is, you know, use yeah. that to help you. If, um, you know, if you're a Catholic or a whatever, a Buddhist, right. or whatever, you know, use that to help guide you out of that and, uh, and do positive things. You know, Um, force yourself into doing positive things. You know, make yourself get a routine going, things of that nature. Find yourself. And it's interesting because when you start doing that, your gifts begin to show. You'll start noticing that you have things that you didn't realize were there or sort of dormant, um, but now they're coming out. Everyone has a lot of gifts, and we need to, like, just kind of relax and let them happen. You know, don't overthink it. Everybody thinks too much. Just relax, cool out, man. Just think a little less and just use your heart more than your head. Maybe your heart always stirs you in the right direction. It's our minds yeah, that get us all. Good advice.
1: Ones. That's exactly yeah. I always say. Don't listen to this one. Listen to this one. Yeah. Because that's where it, where it basically comes from. But I've noticed more and more people that I've spoken with of late are going into that sad, oh, what was me feeling of not knowing how to go forward or feeling abandoned or misused or abused. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to fight your way back. It's good to hear from you. To die. Nobody yes, wants that's to die. Good. You know?
0: And, you know, I get a lot of suicides, too, that come in and come out. And they really, there's no penalty for what they've done, only the fact that they have to feel what they left behind. Like the immediate family, you know, how mm-hmm. much it hurt them. Um mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. And then the the what ifs, you know, everyone's saying, if I only had talked to them, if I'd only hung out with them, if I only helped them, you know, and it it doesn't matter. You know, when when they're in that mindset, they're just going to do it. They don't want Mm -hmm. to die. They want to live. They just can't figure out how to do it anymore. And they're overwhelmed. And so they do it. But there is no penalty that I've ever seen, Um, you know.
1: That's good to know because I think a lot of parents, when they go through, they, they lose. Particularly today, there's so many children dying. With through drugs or whatever, quote, accidental suicide, if you want to call it that. Right. But the parents have to live through it afterwards. And the feeling that there is no penalty for it makes it a little easier for the parent to to let go.
0: Yeah, and parents, they really need to let go. I mean, yeah you need to celebrate their life and not mourn their life because there mm-hmm. was some and as parents you know we do the best we can to give our children the pearls of wisdom that we've learned and whether they use them or not it's up kind of up to them but they're yeah. walking mm-hmm. their own path you know it's their it's their um it's their path they're walking you know mm-hmm.
2: so, and we're That's just exactly right Yes, exactly. Well, here, here's a question, and this is from the chat room. I want to get to it. Sure. This is from Katniss, who says, Hi, George, do you I get like any that. kind of <laughs> tingly or a sensory cues before these visions pop into your head about someone?
0: Yeah, at times they do. Yeah, at times I will. Um, I could pass someone, and all of a sudden I just get this whole wave of visuals, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I just kind of go, oh. But, see, I don't approach people um. Just in the you know, out in public, I don't walk up to them and say, "Hey, guess what?" You know, blah blah blah. To me, that's like <laughs> a psychic. That's like a psychic attack. You know, right. I mean, I think you should do that. You should get permission first because you don't know how they're going to react. Exactly.
2: Yeah. And, and,
0: and uh, so I just don't really say anything unless somehow the soul will give me the permission to do it and show me a way to connect with him, and then Mm -hmm. I'll do it. But that's the only way I'll do it. But, yeah, I do get kind of a little bit of a tingly feeling. It's a knowing. You know, you get this feeling of knowing and your intuition, you know. So, um, yeah, it's it's a double-edged sword. It really is. Go ahead.
2: Oh,
1: definitely. I know what you've been through. Yes. mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, you do.
2: This is from Brian Gresham in the chat room. He's asking, is there a shelf life for people who have passed on to be able to connect to a medium, like a time window where they can still make a connection to the living?
0: Anytime. It just depends on the soul. Some souls, Mm -hmm. they cross over. Uh, Everyone goes through a life review, and once that's done, you're forgiven for everything. And then you go into the realm of souls or the garden of souls, and that's where you'll see a lot of your relatives. Even your pets are there. Um, For example, the man with the horses, I mean, they're there. So Mm -hmm. animals that were close to us, they'll be there, and your relatives, your friends uh, that you want to see. And you'll cross over go through your life review, and then you're led into this garden of souls. And no one really, you don't have to reincarnate, and usually they don't reincarnate until everyone that they've loved that's still back here on the physical plane cross over and you see them again. And then when you see them again, you can either stay there in the dimensional and travel dimensionally or make plans to come back here, but usually not until everyone has crossed over.
2: How interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, Yeah. very interesting, George. That's the way I've seen
0: it. I'm probably totally wrong, but that's how I've always seen it. <laughs> you know,
1: that's, that's just, Part of you has to be right, after all.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's just, yeah. Um, what else did you want to? Um,
2: There's another oh. question here. This is from Tom sure. Rader. says, hi, girls. Can hey, you ask George if grief allows us to remain connected to past loved ones or does it hold us back?
1: Good question.
0: Grief is a very important thing to, to go through, um, to, to grieve someone, and you should find the tools to help you through that. Um, but they really want, you you know, once the soul has made it over, they're free and clear. They're in the light. I've never seen a soul, like, burning in hell or nailed to anything or nothing like that at all. <laughs> they just cross over. This was their life lesson here. But grieving, yeah, it's important to do but they really want you to celebrate their lives. They want you to celebrate their lives. In fact, when you do celebrate their lives, they can actually connect with you a lot easier because when you're grieving and crying constantly in that mourning state, they – they don't want to get too close to you because it brings you more pain, so they back off. So once you can settle down and make peace with it, and, you know, they have had their journey. They're gone now. You're still here. They want you to celebrate their life, and if you do that, they can change things for you, and that's through nudging. Souls are not allowed to mess around with their journey. They are allowed to nudge, and so that's mm-hmm. why all of us are have. – we're all souls having a human experience, so that way we all have that sort of sixth sense, that knowing – you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, you mentioned. Exactly. Yeah, you mentioned earlier. Um, whenever you get the feeling like someone's in the room with you and there's no one there,
1: right? We
0: usually go to our logical mind and we think, "Oh, is there somebody at the front door? Is somebody pulling the driveway?" Mm-hmm. That is a soul listening to your thoughts. So always try to remember what you were thinking about when you got that sensation,
1: because uh-huh. they're trying to.
0: They're trying to move you on that idea. So say you're doing the dishes, you want to buy a new BMW, and then you begin to talk yourself out of it for whatever reason, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden you get that sensation. Well, that's the soul telling you, yeah, go for it. Go for all the bells and whistles. It'll probably trickle down a little bit, but better than what you ever thought. So what the soul will do, well, what you will do is go look for that BMW, however that is, you know, Internet, paper, friends, lots. What the soul will do is jump ahead of you and open up that door for you, and it will help you to, uh, to get that BMW. And all of a sudden you've got a BMW sitting in your driveway because everything fell into place very quickly. And that's how souls help us. They, they're always trying to help us. And when you do feel that it's a soul helping you, always say thank you. Say thank mm. you to them with your heart. And say thank you in the physical world. Say it out loud. You know, thank you, Uncle Ned, you know, for that. I I love you, too. And you should say it because you put it in the physical world, and it becomes physical. And it keeps that door open between you and them. And they'll bring you more things. They'll help you with other issues, too.
2: So. Okay, well, this is great, George. We're going to take another very short commercial break. I know you've had you've read for many political figures, and you mentioned yeah. an interesting name <laughs> yeah. when we were off the air. So we're going to get into all of that, everybody. So stay tuned. You are listening to Supernatural Girls Radio. We're going to take a very short commercial break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, here with my co-host, PK, who you can find at patriciakirkman.com if you'd like a numerology reading. And we are here tonight with the fabulous George Lugo, who you can find at crystalgatereadings.com. If you would like your own reading with George, he will be happy to schedule something for you. But I'm going to give you a warning. This is one busy guy. So if you want something with George, Be prepared to leave a message, and he will get back to you, but you may have a bit of a wait. He's in great demand. So, George, we were talking off the air again, and you mentioned a name that interested both of us, both PK and I, Robert Kennedy.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had a a small brush with him. Remember when he did the uh, the back-of-the-train tour and he was going through California? He's going all over the place in the back of the train and giving a speech. Well, he pulled into my hometown. And um, in California, and did his speech. And I was on a flatbed truck with my band. We're playing for everybody. And uh, the train rolled in. We stopped playing. We were just listening. And there's a photograph of him standing in the back of the train. And I was standing next to the photographer that took it, because I was on top of the flatbed truck. And I wanted to see better, so I got on top of the cab of the truck. And this <laughs> photographer said, please let me up there. Help me up there. So I got him up there, and there's a shot of him standing in the back of the train talking to everybody. And I'm standing right next to the photographer. But anyway, the speech is done. He leaves. He pulls out. The train goes. And I have this giant drum set that I'm breaking down. Back then I thought more was better. But anyway, so I'm breaking this drum set down. Everyone's leaving. The whole place is gone. And... Um, I put in my car I put the drums in my car and I go, God I gotta go to the bathroom. So I go into the bathroom, I go into a stall, and I'm sitting there and I hear this train pulling up outside. I thought, Oh, another train pulled in, but it was actually Robert's train backed up and I guess their toilets weren't working or something. So he jumps out of the out of the train and I see these shiny black shoes in front of the door and he's banging on the door. Who's in there? And I told him who I was and he goes, "It's okay, sir. Come on in." So, um, he's sitting next to me in the stall and that divider that you have installed mm-hmm. this hand pops underneath and he goes, "Robert Kennedy. And I go?" hey, George Lugo, and, and that's how I met him, and uh, and so, uh, uh, yeah, so we talked a little bit about different things, and we did our business, and we left, you know, and, uh, uh, and then years later, a few, actually, not that long, maybe about two years later, I... I moved out of my hometown. I moved to Los Angeles, and I was jogging at night because I loved the way everything looked, and I jogged over to the Ambassador Hotel, and that's where the Coconut Grove was, and I went inside there, and I thought about the history of all the bands that have played there, Count Basie and all the big guys, you know, and I'm standing on stage, and it's dark in the stage, and I look over, and I see this little shiny plaque on the wall on the side of the stage, and I walk over, and I look at it, and it says where Robert Kennedy was shot, Mm. And I went, wow, full circle, you know. Yeah. So mm-hmm. and that was my little brush with Robert Kennedy.
1: Wow, but Mike. anyway,
0: yeah. So incredible. Um,
2: now, but you've also read for some very big political figures. Yes,
1: I have. I know I you.
2: All, you had them cordon off your whole neighborhood just so they could yeah. get their person in to see you.
0: Yes, I had. Um, yeah, one of the guys that was running for the presidency came here, and they sealed off my neighborhood. And they had in the black uh, SUVs and the whole nine yards. They're banging on the door. They came as a they came through as a different name, so I wouldn't know who this guy was. <laughs> and so uh, they came in to check out my ha- my house for you know anything that might blow up or something. I don't know what they were looking for, but uh, they looked around. They cleared them. He comes in. He sits down in front of me and uh, says well, am I going to be the next president of the United States? And I just closed my eyes for a second, and I said, nope, you're not. And, and, he, <laughs> and so he says, let me say this a different way. And he leaned forward. He goes, will I be the father of the United States? Am I going to be the president, the father of the United States? And I said, I'm sorry, no, you won't be. And he says, well, why? And I said, because if you do, the skeletons are going to come out of your closet, and they're going to destroy your family. And, oh. I th- and I think you're wow. a family man, and I think that you had better think about this twice because everything's going to come out. And he thought to himself, he goes, Oh, yeah, you got a point there. And he dropped out right uh-huh. after it. He dropped, he dropped right out. I'll be darned. Yeah. You want to tell us what down year
1: down. that was so we can go back and check who dropped out? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah. But well, no, just I'll, I'll, I'll put it this know. way the last presidency. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a big one. So, um, yeah, I yeah, know he that dropped was. Yeah, he didn't want to lose his family. There
2: were a lot of people in
1: the field. A lot of wow. skeletons. Yeah. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yes. And a lot of them are rolling out now that we hadn't even thought about. What do you think about all this, uh, everyone being able to speak their, what's happened to them in the past, all of a sudden, the old stories coming out, who attacked who, who did what to who? I don't How do exactly. you think that's going to fare? Because. You're talking
2: about the sexual abuse stuff. The sexual abuse, Uh, the Hollywood thing.
1: Now it's uh, it's moving its way into the Senate places like that. Oh yeah, you know what? That's been going
0: on since the government started.
1: I know it, but what I'm getting at is, at this point in time, are they going to finally say what has to be done? Where they're going to start stepping down those that have created so much chaos? That have gotten yeah. away with it for so many years.
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, it,
0: it's going to change. It's definitely going to change. But a lot of that is just, um, you know, I don't, I don't think you got a fair shake. I mean, anybody can say that about someone and destroy their oh, lives. Sure. You know, but so some of it is that, and some of it, yeah, is definitely true. Some of it's anger window
1: dressing type thing. Exactly.
0: Yeah, it's not even worth discussing. It, it, it'll, it'll go away. It'll finally go away, but, but okay. uh, not without a few changes. You know, yeah. and there'll be positive changes. Oh,
1: well, that's that what should, I'm that, hoping for.
0: Yeah, there'll be positive
1: changes. Th- there's going to be. There's already hit in some of the places of the government, so some of that can be redirected and finally cleaned up.
0: Yeah, it needs to be. Yeah, it needs definitely. To be. Um, oh, I can tell you when. Uh, one of my readings, a man called me, and he barely said a word over the phone. I, I thought he hung up several times, and <laughs> uh, and I said, "I'm getting this." Elderly man sitting behind the desk that seems to be very important. He's got a business suit on. He's got books behind him, and I can barely see off to his left uh, like a, a big vault, and it's like in his office. And there's a and now he's pointing down at a name plaque. So I read the name. and He goes, "Oh my God, that's who we're looking for." And uh, well, he didn't even say that. He goes, "Uh huh." And I went, "Okay." So he's telling me, uh, "You guys have got to stop fighting. The family is just being destroyed, dismantled. You got to stop fighting." And, um, and he didn't say anything. I said, uh, you guys are in lawsuits now. I mean, it's really bad. You guys were a close family, and now it's just war. And, and he goes, yeah. I said, he's saying 36, 24, 25, you know, blah, blah, blah. I said, write these numbers down. And he says, I got to go click. And that was it. And so he called me back about a month later, and he says, those numbers you gave me were the combination to his vault. We have been trying to open that vault for two years. Oh, and, have to do it. and we didn't want to destroy the vault because it's like an heirloom, it's beautiful, and we didn't want to mess it up um, and drill holes in it or whatever. And uh, everything, they, the wills, the cash, the gold bullion, the whole nine yards was in this big, big vault in his house. And so uh, they're still suing each other, though. They're still, like, after the money now. Uh,
1: uh forward.
0: It was all written out who was going to get what, but he died before, you know, nobody knew where the papers were. And so they had to get in that vault. But, yeah, I gave him the numbers, and he was real thankful for that. And he said, sorry, I didn't want to say anything when I talked to you because I just want to make sure you were for real. Okay. <laughs> you know. Oh, I can tell you about something that I did here. Um, this family was trying to get a hold of me for quite a long time, and they finally found me, and they asked me to come over and do a reading. So I'd go to their house. And I'm walking around uh, in this big house, and I pick up a Mary, and I pick up uh, someone like Josephus uh, and all these different people. And he's going, yeah, that's right, that's right. And um, I said, um, uh It's over here, and and I walked into the dining room, and the master bedroom was right off of the dining room, and and the door was slightly open, and right where the hinges are that hold the door on, I could see through that crack, and there was a woman laying on the hospital bed, and she sat up, and she looked at me, and she told me her name was Mary, and she was just saying thank you and congratulations, um, to her husband, who I was doing the reading for, and his wife and uh, and that was his old wife I didn't know that, but she told me that was his uh-huh. old wife so I told him, I said, there's a Mary in here that's in a hospital bed and she just wanted to you know, let you know and I gave him the message and he started crying, you know and so he comes into that room and he goes, come into that room with me and so he had put the hospital bed right where I saw it and they moved the big bed over a little bit so the hospital bed would fit next to his bed, to their bed so we took care of her until she passed. Well, in the corner, which I noticed out here, people put things in corners and cover them up with blankets. I don't know why, but anyway. Oh. So in that pile of stuff under the blankets, I saw a chair, and there was a skinny old man sitting in it. And I told him what his name was, and he says, yeah, that's, that's my grandfather. And I said, well, he's sitting in this chair. And he goes, here, let me show you. So he took the blankets off, took a bunch of boxes out, and then pulled this old chair out. He goes, this chair has been in our family for like 119 years. And um, um, he says, um, so that's where my grandfather used to sit and some other family members. So the whole time that I'm doing this reading, every once in a while he said, are you getting Jim? And I'm going, Jim, no, no, Jim. And later on, are you getting Jimmy? Is Jimmy coming through? And I said, no, I'm not getting any gym. So we got done with the whole thing. And then um I said, Sorry I didn't get your gym. And he goes, Oh no, I was just testing you. And <gasps> uh, and
2: um uh, uh, oh, uh,
0: he said because yeah. Jimmy's alive. I'm going, Oh, okay. Who's Jimmy, you know? And it was Jim Morrison of the Doors. He's still alive.
2: Oh, oh. he lives in he
0: lives, he lives in Bend, Oregon. He owns a horse get ranch.
2: Out of town are yeah. you kidding
0: yeah he's alive me? and this whole what? thing the whole thing in paris was faked so he can oh. get out of there
2: See, now he this has been talked yeah. about nobody's been able to really prove it but you you weren't oh, able yeah. to on the other it, side it was his family
0: his family oh. said his family said it was his family Remember? that was his it was his cousin that, that i was reading for and um they're the same age. And he says, you want to talk to him. I said, yeah, I'd love to talk to them. And this is, you know, because I want, I want to find out. He says, yeah. but if I let you talk to them, talk to him, the FBI is always listening in, and they're going to end up wanting to talk to you. And I said, oh, yeah, forget it. I don't want to get that involved. <laughs> I take your word yeah. for it. You know, so. Yeah, I, you I know, remember you the talked FD about I that before.
1: Explore.
0: Because of all the trouble he was in, you know, when he was alive. And he was wanted in uh, Florida for all kinds of things, and other various places that he played, and you know, palimony palomo- suits all over the place, and indecent uh, exposure charges, and all kinds of stuff. And um, you know, he just so what he did was he faked his funeral in Paris, and then went to South America, and he stayed down there for a lot of years, and then worked his way up to Bend, Oregon, and settled down, and and uh, has a horse ranch up there. So that's where Remember I what you told my me about that. And and yeah. the the this this his cousin he says, listen, I am so happy with this reading. I love it. I want you to have his chair. I said your mm-hmm. grandfather's chair. He goes, yeah. Well, Jim wrote um, uh, Break On Through in that chair. He wrote a whole bunch of songs in that chair. And my grandfather is the one that came up with the doors. In the movie The Doors, he's you know Jim is talking to the, the the piano player, and they're trying to put a band together. Talk about Doors' of perception and all that kind of stuff. So they named their band The Doors. But his grandfather is the one that actually came up with that name. So,
2: Incredible! Yeah,
0: isn't that something? You
2: could yeah. knock me over with a feather when you just said it was Jim Morrison. Yeah. and He's still alive.
0: Still alive. Bye. But, but let, me it, let me take it even further. He gave me this chair, and I said, "Don't you want to keep it? You know, it's a family heirloom. I mean, you know, Jim sat here. Your grandfather's admirals have sat in that chair. I mean, all of these family members." He says, "No, no, I want you to have it. It's time for you to to let this go." And there's a little, it, it's it's an old Morris chair, you know, the kind mm-hmm. that. You have to put the stick back to lower the back and for the feet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got wide handles on it. Well, there's a little part where, like, someone dug their nail into the, like, they were nervous, and they just kept working on a little hole and made it bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. Well, that was Jim. He made that hole, you know, (laughs) working on stuff, and he was just kept picking at it and picking at it and made a little hole in it. So... A lot of that energy is in this chair, and the way I know that is that I took the chair, and I had it in my living room in a really non-show-offy you know part of the room. I just had it sitting there. And women would come over, and they'd gravitate towards that chair. And there's a nothing chair really to really look at. And they'd walk around that chair, and they'd go, man, I like this chair. know, I'm going, yeah, it's a nice chair. And do you mind if I sit in it? And I said, no, go ahead. It's an old chair. I mean, go well, ahead, yeah, have a seat. And they'll sit and they and go, oh, my God, this chair. I said, keep your clothes on, but that long belongs to Jim Morrison. I was like, oh, my God,
2: take a picture of me in this chair.
0: You know, so, um, so I still have that chair. How
2: many chair. years ago was that? What's that? How many what years ago did you do that? Oh, that, that
0: was uh, that I got the chair. How
2: or many what? years ago was it that you did the reading mm-hmm. and saw that Oh, the just soul. about
0: uh, three years ago, four years, three years ago. So, so he's probably still ago. alive. Oh, yeah, he's, he's like 70-something. Yeah, he still lives up there. Yeah, You know, and, um, and some,
2: and there have been a number of sleuths out there who said that he didn't die, faked his own death. His coffin was too short for his body. And there's a lot of things that weren't adding up.
0: Right. And his to, manager yeah. got there. His wow. manager flew there just in time to watch it go into the ground. So he never mm-hmm. got to see it, the body or anything. Ah, there's only four right. people there that saw it go down. And, um, um, oh, that chair has such an effect that I had to. I put it in storage. Because everyone that came over went right to that chair, <laughs> and even though the guy not passed away, his energy is that sexual energy is all over it. Yeah. So. Yeah. God. Yeah. yeah so I it's am, interesting.
2: I'm in oh, shock. I will not be able funny. to sleep tonight, George. This is yeah. They so, reveal.
0: Yeah. And so yeah, he's a, he's alive.
2: Yeah. I wonder what our audience is thinking right now. I hope you will all give us some feedback on what George oh, yes. just shared. This is an amazing piece of yeah. information. Yeah. That so, is incredible, George. My yeah. God. Wow. So a, I mean, I have, wow. A lot of, I have a lot
0: of those kinds of things that have happened to me. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I just, uh, you know, Patricia Piquet knows. I mean, she knows a lot of things that have happened oh, to me. God, and,
1: yes. <laughs> yeah, so you, so- oh, God, yes. Yeah. And then so much.
0: Yeah, and then some. Yeah. We both get off the air in a hurry.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's yeah.
0: Right. Now, now, yeah. one
2: other thing I wanted to circle back, and I apologize to people in the chat room because I know you've all asked some great questions, but I want to give you George time to talk about the men in black because you have encountered them, and there's a lot of people that want to know what you think
0: about yeah, the men had, in I black. So was, tell us uh, what happened. No, I had a friend that was a world traveler, and, um, and uh, it's a long story about him, but. The men in black were interested in him, and at the time, uh, he was living up in the Hollywood Hills in L.A., and I used to go and visit with them, and we'd talk. I had great conversations about the world and all this, and he got visited by these guys. They just showed up. You know, they just showed up at the house there, and he was staying at someone else's house. So they just showed up, and they just kind of looked at me, and I just remember their eyes being real black, like empty, hollow eyes, but they had glasses on, and um, they just walked in, and he seemed, their skin look kind of bloody and almost like dead. I mean, they had this really weird complexion, and they both looked pretty much the same, and they walked in, and I got the vibe is like, get out. It's not, could you please leave us alone for a moment? It was like, get out. And I said, well, oh, got to go. And I just took off, you know, and I left. And uh, when I saw him, he says, yeah, they asked me a bunch of questions. And, and I said, did they tell you not to leave? And he says, yeah, he told me to stay put. And uh, and he left after that. He wasn't there much longer. And he took off. He, got, he gained this huge inheritance and then he just left. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, yeah, that's my little brush with the men in black. But I remember the and, skin. And, yeah, the
1: skin didn't of, look.
0: It didn't look healthy. It Looked kind Real. of gray. Yeah. yeah, it looked sort of kind of gray and ruddy looking, and just like they were falling apart, you know, almost. And uh, I don't know, man. It's it's a, a different vibe altogether that they have. But anyway, that's my little brush with now, those guys.
2: And and when you uh, we were talking off the air about them, you said you felt like they were being controlled by some other
0: frequency. Yeah, I or feel like there's yeah, I feel like they're sentinels. Like they're sent out by someone to do whatever they have to do to get the job done. You know, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like they killed anyone. You know, they're like information gatherers in a sense. But it does change your life. I mean, people have probably pat, you know disappeared because of those guys. But I can't prove that, and I wouldn't. You know, I don't me telling they you all have, this,
2: They have threatened people. Yeah, they yeah. haven't necessarily killed anybody, but they right. threatened. People that don't talk about this or don't talk about that, mostly UFO-related, is the report that we get.
0: Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, if you see them, you'll never forget it. And I never forgot this, Mm -hmm. and this was back, all the way back in, like, 78 or so, when Mm -hmm. I had that encounter with those guys. It wasn't really me, it was him, but I just (laughs) left. Man, I said, I'm out of here, you know, so.
2: Yeah. Um, (laughs) Be out of there, too.
0: God, you know, those in your audience that are sensitives, that uh, have uh, a little bit of mediumship or feel like it, you know, go with it. Just relax with it. Let it happen. Don't be afraid of it. Just allow it to happen. It won't hurt you. It won't harm you. You'll benefit from them. And just use your heart. Don't use your head so much trying to figure it out. Yeah. Just kind of go. Let them talk to you the way they want to talk to you. You won't, you won't be disappointed. Um, mm-hmm. When I was a little boy, uh, um, under five. I went to a lot of funerals. It seemed like my mom's side of the family that the elders were all dying off, and I was constantly going to funerals. And um, this one time, a big, big church, and the coffin was open, and it was up at the top, and um, the, um, it came to the point, I was looking to cross over everyone's head, And I could see the coffin way up there on the altar. And there was a guy sitting on the altar behind the coffin, kicking his legs back and forth and smiling and looking around the room. And he had his hands to the side and he just looked really happy. And uh, I didn't quite understand funerals then, but I knew something had happened, you know. And anyway, it was our time to go up in a long procession, a long line. And we get up there. And when we get up there, he was in the coffin. I said, wait a minute, that guy was just up there a moment ago. So, you know, if you're having those kinds of experiences, Believe it. I mean, that's really happening. Um, it's a yes. very fine line between um, here and there, really. And and everyone, you know, when you're born, you're born with a certain frequency and a certain vibration. And because of those, those determine your sensitivity to what's in life. And if you're always questioning things, you know, that's a good thing. Just kind of, you know, follow through with it lots of times. It won't hurt you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And now dreams. Here's-
0: Dreams, yes. yeah, you're a pro at this, um, Patricia. I love dreams. So, Thank you. Know, you. I, I feel like you're more awake when you're asleep. That's where all your truths are, and there's a lot of things that are there that um, help you through your day. Um, you may not even realize it, but things that you dream about percolate and have little spikes in the day sometimes, mm-hmm. and there will be like little humps that you get over a Like, how did that happen, you know? And a lot of it has to do with your dreams, kind of letting you know it's about to happen. But pay attention to your dreams. They tell tell a great story every time.
2: Well, they do, and it's very useful. And what I found is people have gotten into this mindset of wanting a Mm -hmm. quick fix, and they Mm -hmm. don't see dreams as a part of that. They see it as too much work. They don't want to be bothered. They don't want to pay attention, but they're missing so much. We spend half our lives asleep, so if you're not paying attention to your dreams, you're missing Half your life, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And There's try to go deal. to bed
0: not worried. You know, if you go to bed worried <laughs> and fall asleep, those dreams just beat you up all night long and you wake up really tired. You yes. know, try to have, you know, even if you have to have abstract thoughts as you're falling asleep, just
2: try yeah. to be pleasant. Clear your have, mind. Yeah, yeah. Clear your mind.
0: Even if they're abstract, it's even better though you fall asleep a little quicker. But just try to like, Neutralize all that stuff. That way you'll have better dreams, better messages, that kind of thing. And you'll wake up more joyful. That's the trick, waking mm-hmm. up joyful.
2: Yeah, that's uh, a true. great, great suggestion. Well, George, I am so sorry that we have to end the show because PK and I could talk to you all night. Mm-hmm. I know our listeners could listen to you all night. Well, thank you would you, just a wonderful, wonderful guest, and we hope you'll come back and visit with us again and share more of your great adventures with the other side. It's it's just been tremendous tonight, oh, thank George. Thank you very much. Thank, thank, you, thank you. you so much. Thank and we much. want to wish everybody a very, very Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. Right. And Happy New Year, too, is coming right up. I can't believe mm-hmm. it. What happened oh, to the it. year, huh? Yeah. Well, <laughs> God. Makes me clean want to slate coming up. Clean slate. No, clean slate. We need a clean slate. So, anyways, make sure everybody go to our Facebook page, give us a like, follow us so you'll know what's coming up. We always announce our shows, let you know what to expect. Next week, we have Paul David's Blowing America's Mind. All the MK Ultra experiments. You're gonna hear about it here on Supernatural Girls. But you want a reading with George Lugo? We can't recommend him highly enough. Go to crystalgatereadings.com and you'll be able to contact George there and set up your own private reading. Again, highly recommend George to all of our audience members. The best of the best. That's you, George. Thank that you so sure. much. That is thank for sure. You. Uh, yes. Thank you,
0: guys. Appreciate it. Well, we and love
2: thank you and we so grateful. Yes, thank you, everybody, for listening tonight. We hope you have a happy and safe holiday, and be sure to join us next week. We've got an all-new show, so don't miss it. And until then, everybody, we will see you on the Blue Highway. Good Good night. Good night. Good night.